Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. Nation. Welcome to episode 115 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinio, and today I've got a very special guest with me back again uh, for the second year in a row for our little annual kind of state of the club, end of the season, commiserating session from Benfica after 90. It is Mario Mata. What's up, Mario? How are you doing? Good, good. After this season, uh, if you do the side by side, you'll see a lot more gray hair. You know that that's what Bifika does to you when your expectations sure are shattered the way it was. Um, but yeah, I, I've aged faster than than I ever have after this year. Yeah, it, this was, of course, this was like two seasons mixed into one. Like we talk about it, and really, last season ended and the next one started almost the next day. It was there was like no time in between. So this season felt extra long, and then. You get these kind of results, and I mean, it, it makes it stretch out even longer, I think. I think all of us that cover this team, that talk about this team, there was a reoccurring like, message of how just we couldn't wait for this thing to be over towards the end, you know? It just, it just wouldn't end, and it was just suffering on top of suffering. And then we, we made a little run, and you start to, get, start to get a little bit hopeful, and then the cup final comes and kicks you in the nuts, and, <laughs> and that's no basically kidding, what that yeah. game was, huh? Yeah, very, very painful in a sense, especially when you're thinking you're going to pull through and you're going to make it and just uh, at least get something to cheer about this season. But yeah, we get no love this year. It was unreal. I mean, I thought I thought for sure that uh, 
we were going to show up in that final because we had looked good for six or seven weeks. Well, you know, good, relatively speaking, for six or seven weeks. And Braga were on the slides, and maybe that should have been a sign that, that we were in for some trouble. No kidding. And it's just, uh, well, and leading up to this game, you kind of look at the form between the two teams. We've been hot and cold, and, and there's a few glimpses of hope, kind of obviously the sporting game, even though we almost blew that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, game game was shockingly good, given the players we rested. And then you look mm-hmm. at Braga, which had completely collapsed, and you're just thinking like, okay, you know, if, if there was a time to face Braga this season, it, it wasn't during the point where they are potentially going for a Champions League spot. It was during a point where it looked like their season was over. Um, and, man, did that go the other way. <laughs> yeah, I mean – you look at that match and, and I forced myself to watch it again a, a second time. And it's, it's even worse the second time because what are we trying to do is what I was trying to, to figure out in the second match. I mean, in the second viewing, we, we go down 10 men. Okay. That is what it is. Uh, the, we've talked about that call. We've all talked about it. Everyone's talked about it. And I don't know where VAR was in that, in that situation. Cause that's exactly what VAR is supposed to prevent from happening. But the referee calls it a red card. You know, we shouldn't be surprised at this point. What I don't understand after that, Mario, is why we're pressing so high down a man for the rest of the match. That red card happens, first of all, because we're pressed really high. We have three slow uh, central defenders. We play with the three-man back line. Slow players. Why are we giving them 40 yards of space to chase a ball down? and make it a foot race between their striker and our goalkeeper. We saw what happens. Regardless of whether or not it was a good call, it, was, it wasn't. But it was. we set ourselves up for that to happen, in my opinion. And I freeze-framed it when I was watching it the second time. And I got to say, I have to thank your wife for helping me find a stream that day. Because <laughs> TVE could not handle the, the bandwidth. They didn't have the bandwidth to handle the amount of people watching the game, I don't think. Because it continued to buffer and buffer and buffer. And then I watched it in... in on demand like two hours after and it was perfectly fine but we we uh i froze the screen and we are i mean we're almost we're our defensive line is set up halfway into the middle third not in our defensive third so that's always going to turn into a race and, and do you really want jan vertongen in a foot race with anybody we don't. I don't even think he was fit for that match, to be honest. I think he was rushed in, and the reason he played central and not left center, I think, is because he didn't have the the strength and the fitness to chase balls down. I think that's why he played in the center and not Moratu, which was the opposite of what we saw at Guimarães that seemed to work well against Guimarães. And, again, it becomes a foot race. Helton has to come out. A lot of people are hard on him, but... It, he was left in a real bad situation there because if he doesn't come out for that, it's a breakaway and then he gets dribbled and they're going to say, Oh, he should have came out for it. He comes out for it. You know, he doesn't win the foot race, but he literally pulls his arm out of the way to try to avoid any contact. As yeah. Well. There's almost, yeah, we yeah. could spend a, a ton of time on, on that side, but really there, there was really no main contact and the contact that did happen was while the guy was already falling like he throws himself and you know he nicks Mm -hmm. the arm it's it's all those things but i did find this is a one of the reasons why helton took odyssey's spot is the ability to kind of run out because Mm -hmm. that was a bad call it was Mm -hmm. the right play he did the Mm -hmm. right thing right 
but then when we go down a goal, it's the wrong run from Odie. Now I got to exactly. say, Odie had an amazing second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, great shot stopper. He, he did uh, amazing saves that he did, but some of his decision making running out and, and part of the need to have a keeper to run out is like you're pointing out, you got these slow center backs mm-hmm. that were getting beat. Uh, Otamendi's a great center back, but same, same thing. He doesn't have the legs to kind of right. run down the line. Um, and I, I got to say, even though the, you know, we got the short end of the stick with the call, this game was lost because of the substitutions and the choices that were made Absolutely. after that. You know, it's it's one of those things where as we kind of progressed throughout the game, we just weren't making the right decisions as a mm-hmm. as a team. And then really to me, it was that series of extra changes right after halftime in like the, the mid 50 minute mark, 57 or wherever time was. Yeah. Uh we do three substitutions and I don't mind the idea of Rafa because you need to inject some pace from the breakers. Right. I found Seth wasn't doing much. He was mm-hmm. kind of lost out there. Um, and Darwin kind of made sense to come on again, a guy that really has a lot of pace and he tracks mm-hmm. back and there's several times we caught him on the defensive side, catching some right. balls. Uh, you know, he did good in that sense. Uh, but to me, the biggest mistake was Nuno Tavares. Diogo is an attacking yeah. winger that was playing a fullback type of position. I, Tavares just to me, it wasn't the type of play, like pretty much at that point you added, you're, we're down, we're losing. And he added a more defensive player. Like you need mm-hmm. to kind of go for this game. And I just, yeah, I didn't agree with that. That move there. I Everton wasn't having a terrible game. Again, I think Everton has the potential to, to uh, create some opportunities. And to be honest, I, I don't think he had a bad game, but I was petrified of Tarap being on because Tarap loses so many balls in the middle yeah. of the park. Yeah. And when you're down a guy, I was kind of, he didn't do, he didn't, he actually had like a decent game, but I was kind of mm-hmm. more worried about his, you know the amount of the amount of passes he might miss because uh, sometimes he tries to get too cute with the ball, and right. you know, when you when you're down a guy, it can really cost you. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm going to backtrack to the first substitution first because I thought Tarapt was coming off. Yeah, uh, it makes sense. It make I, a lot I, more I, sense if he went off. I also, after the fact, saw a lot of people say that they thought that it was going to be one of the center backs and we were going to go to four four one. That also makes a lot of sense to me because that's also an easy transition to make. Him t- and I know PZ is not the most popular player in the in the side, and and I find myself this season somehow defending him. Where last season I was all over him, this season I find myself kind of coming to his aid at times because I think it's it's gone so far in the other w- way the way we view him. But you mentioned there that Everton didn't have the best of games. Part of Everton's emergence at the end was his connection with PZ. They were combining really well, and I think in taking PZ out, first of all you lose probably your most efficient player in the final third. He is the guy that typically delivers that final pass or takes the shot that finds its way into the back of the, into the back of the goal. Um, So I thought we lost a lot in that sense. We lost our danger going forward in taking him out. And again, you leave Vigo with just Adele Tarap to help him defensively, which for, you can say what you want about Tarapt, and I, I know I've been critical of him, and a lot of people have, you know, chimed back at me. And but I don't think anyone can can defend his his def- defensive game and his tactical game from a defensive standpoint. And once you go down a man, you have to think you're going to be defending more than you're going to be attacking. You're yeah. going to have to pick your spots more so than try to. And it looked like we tried to have the ball instead. And even even on the Pizzy note, I know he didn't have a great year. Mm-hmm. And, and rightfully so, he got a lot of criticism. Mm-hmm. 
the last month and a bit, mm-hmm. he, he, like you said, everything was showing up a lot more. You're seeing a lot more items clicking on the side, which mm-hmm. was nice, including Pizzy. Pizzy was doing quite well. Right. And here's the guy, and, and this is why I'm trying to get in George's head to just what right. what is his thought process? You have a guy that got rested last match. Right. You're going to be playing against 10 men, meaning you got to work a little harder and you want to keep your most rested players. And so you made Pizzy the captain. By the way, we've had Otamani the captain. We've had the revolving armband. Yeah. So you go, Pizzy, you're rested. You're my man. You're you're the captain. Get on. I need to rip out the weakest link because we're down 10 men. You're the weakest link. Get out. And I, I just, to me, it goes to the whole pulse on the squad. What does George Juj actually understand what he's working with at the moment? Like, does he have a good read on these players yeah faith in that maybe it's just a case mm-hmm. they didn't have faith yeah. that pizzy would be able to do it because pizzy has at times also disappeared but it's mm-hmm. i'll yeah, say, say this he doesn't have the lungs for for especially being down 10 men i can see that argument yeah but at the same time if you're comparing him to that also he really has the lungs also <laughs> right, right? So exactly my thing if i'm pizzy and i'm, I'm thinking if i'm staying at Befica, i got a manager that doesn't believe in me mm-hmm you know, it's it's not saying this is supposed to be a morale building type game. Uh, in a sense, you're there to win it, but I just feel the decision pre-game setting it up uh, to even like what happened with Kimaraj, like the the fact that supposedly Verissimo had a light um, injury he was playing with, right, which got exacerbated that game. I'm like, I'm like, you could have benched him. You could have played with a different setup. It was a point, like yeah. we did a lot of rotation that game. Why would you play the guy that potentially? Is is you know riding his luck, right? Yeah, right. Um, it was also interesting to hear about Darwin that he had been playing with a slight injury for a bit or wherever it is, and he's going yeah, for he, he gets a scope as soon as the season ends. But the thing is, for me, again, it goes to the whole idea of okay, so if you know Darwin is playing with an injury, likely he's gonna need surgery because they, they knew this. He had Gonzalo Ramsh come off the bench and do some really good things. Mm-hmm. He came out this this you know, on this presser saying, see, I knew all we had to do is just wait it out, get this guy. He now knows the rhythm of this game. He knows the rhythm of this team. I prove it to you so much so that I'm not even going to put him on the bench. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. it's just decision-making into this game was just what your bench is, things of sort. You're going to put a guy on the bench like Darwin that potentially might not be 110% right. and bench the guy that you just ran on a rant saying how much he's ready to play now. He knows the system. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He doesn't even get included. So, it's the planning into the game, the before the game, the during the game. I think it was just falls heavily on George Drew as a manager. I know the red card highly impacted it. It completely tilted this game. It could have been a completely different story. But how you also plan for a game, mm-hmm. prep for it, and mentally have the squad ready is how you get through these tough periods where you get down to 10 men, right? Right, exactly. And, and you know, again, we saw a year ago when we played in the cup final, we went up a man and it made no difference. They adjusted. Yeah. We did not adjust. We it looked like the built-in excuse was there. Some people are going to say, well, and I know both you and I have had arguments with some of the same Twitter people uh, about this. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, they, they see it as, oh, we were just robbed. We did everything right. And we were, but no, we didn't do everything right. I mean, the team wasn't set up right. Okay. I, and I, I was a huge proponent of, of a three-man center back line, mainly because of the lack of pace. But when you're down to only three health, healthy center backs, do you want to have all of them on the pitch at the same time? I mean, what if another injury had happened? You would have had to make two or three changes, move people around just to continue to struggle through the match. It wouldn't have helped in any way. 
Yeah, and it goes back to the last few games where you know the Liga was done. We're not getting second place. We're not losing third place. There was a point for the last couple of weeks that we knew it was pretty much a, mm-hmm. a done game. And like you said, we're running with two veterans at the back that could get injured in Verissimo. And Verissimo came off like playing like a war a workhorse in Latin America, you know, all the way down the Copa. Mm-hmm. And then he like he's got tons of minutes on him. Yeah, he's only half season with us. And you're burning these guys hard, and you got Marat, and you you don't play him at all. You don't do anything with him. You right. were forced into that situation. As a manager, you should start rotating a little bit, hopefully save some of these legs, and right. be getting these guys into a system, get these guys into a rhythm. I, I thought that's what the whole point of Gonzalo Ramos coming off the bench recently was for, and then just mm-hmm. not to include him. It's just stuff like that that I, I'm questioning the thought process going into the last month. You know what yeah. I mean? And we saw a great combination between Darwin and Gonzalo Ramos. We saw yeah. them combined for three goals in a 10-minute span, right? Ferovich gets credit for one of them because he kicked it off the defender's face <laughs> into the goal. But, but we saw things happen when those two are on the pitch together. And then we never saw it again. Like, you, I thought, okay, against Sporting, they'll get a couple, you know, 20 more minutes. I know the game went a different way than we would have expected, going up 4-1 and then it becoming 4-3. So you don't have the same time and the same opportunity maybe to make the the attacking combinations you might have wanted but the game at Ainge match it's, that was a blank slate why didn't we see more from from the things we didn't see throughout the season to be more prepared for this cup final i don't know what the preparation was for this cup final it looked like they just showed up they put the players on the on the pitch and they played the way you would in a sunday league yeah, it's and, and it gets to the whole what do we do next now with, with this team, right? Because it mm-hmm. isn't just like yeah, I understand sporting was big. We had national uh, also before sporting, which we could have played around with. It was pretty much for the last like month and a bit. It was mm-hmm. after he drew Porto, right? So right, second place was gone at that point. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. I, I kind of go now. It's it's one of the things that's most disappointing is what are we going to do with this team? We need still quite a bit of wholesale changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've ranted before and some people, you know, get on my case about it, but you grab Bruce Tadius worse here. Mm-hmm. You got that final year by Lodge, which was pretty mm-hmm. brutal. And, and rightfully so people were agitated, angry at that final season with Lodge and the final season with Tadia. Right. Rightfully so. Like the season where he had a full year. So let's say before he got fired, he did bad with firing, but before even the firing happened mm-hmm. that year with the zero points, champions league, this and that you grab the Liga. And George Rouge did worse than Ruvitati. Yeah, exactly. On a gutted squad with no no reinvestments, mm-hmm. uh, you had Lodge, same thing. Uh, you know, almost same exact outcome in terms of that horrific last year. Yeah, was you know we were on there saying how bad of a year it was. The squad mm-hmm. repeatedly gutted, no investments, and now you get a ton of investments. I expect a big improvement, bare minimum, mm-hmm. a little improvement, and there is <laughs> no change in the actual results, like the actual. Uh, amount of draws and losses. I think the only difference was Lodge lost one more game and, and Georgia Jews drew like three more games or whatever it is. But yeah. like, well, when you the compare end, the investment level, it's that's the same. Yeah. And you kind of look at what, what did uh, and people go, oh, he has to rebuild. I'm like, Lodge took this squad and won the title. Take away Jean Felix and take away a few other guys. He lost a few guys, but there's a mm-hmm. core of a title winning team. We need a few pieces. Yeah. Last year, I think everyone and their mother said it was the players gave up on Lodge. It was blatantly clear they gave up. The same players that gave up on Rui Vitadia. Right. So there is there's a core issue at this team. And George Hughes gets a blank slate, gets a ton of talent, like a lot of players. Mm-hmm. 
and you kind of look at okay, who are the guys that people are complaining about? They're complaining about the likes of Almeida, Rafa, Pizzi, yeah. and a few other ones that just weren't. And, and what does he go in? He goes, okay, Rafa, Almeida, Pizzi, you're my guys. Plus, right. I'm gonna add a few guys, mm -hmm. uh, guys like Florentino that showed that good box to box defensive mid mm -hmm. kind of thing, and other guys. Let's get rid of those. I don't know. I just I look at the decision making in the off season and everything else. It was it was quite tough, right? And it's just um, it's it's a tough pill to swallow because I don't know where you go from here. It's like I see potential Verismo. He has loads of raw talent. Everton a golden boot winner in in Latin in the Copa Libert not Libertarios uh, Copa America, right? Yeah. Um, talented guy. We have talent. There's talent on this squad. It's just. And you see the potential. Some of the, the final games of the season, we saw some of the clicking happening where you're like, okay, you know what, man, with the right, get rid of this guy, add this guy, you know, forget Gabriel, if we can get some more, bring Florentino back from loan, whatever you got to do, just mm -hmm. a few tweaks. And it feels like this team can win, you know, domestic titles and, and put up right. a decent fight, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, you're it's tough. It's a very tough situation to be in. And it's tough to kind of right now look at the club and to have one of the worst seasons on record after the the biggest spend right on record to have no one mm -hmm. like everyone's pointing the finger at the fans pointing the finger at covid pointing the finger at every excuse except what where it really should be there, there is no like georgia juge like there should be some kind of right now a state of the union saying georgia could be like hey th this is where the winklings were I don't mm -hmm. have a good uh, defensive coordinator or uh, you know assistant manager or here's a sporting director. There's someone's head that should be on the line. There should yeah. be some kind of like responsibility taking, right? Right, like right now it's like the president washes his hands, or Jews washes his hands, or Ricasa washes his hands. Everyone's like, it's and just all I see on BTV is finger pointing at the other. Oh, like, yeah. Or defend it. You know, it, you saw that. I can't even stand the guy anymore. That Pedro Guerra go on this week and slam Noronha Lopes for an interview in record in record. Yeah. And it's, I mean, this is that apparently seems to be what his role in the club is, which is to slander anybody who says anything about the president. Yeah, not anything about Benfica. <laughs> no, about the as, soon, as soon as something negative is about Vieta, BTV goes on overtime with this guy ranting, defending him. Yeah. As soon as we're losing or there's other things that are happening that are not good for Bifika or Bifika is getting slaughtered by referee decisions or the no fans in the stands. Like I'll say this much. I despise Pintakasha. I saw a thing from Pintakasha this past weekend chastising the Liga and the government for not only the, the European final oh, this, being a Porto, <laughs> but the fact that he was – he went – it's like – by the Dragon and the Pavon, or wherever it was yeah. of their thing, yeah. there was a concert or some music event right. with 2,000 attendees. Right. <laughs> and he's like, and he, and, and he had Pitakasha coming out hard, naming politicians and stuff. I'm like, this is the biggest club, man. If Benfica goes against the mayor of Lisbon, if Benfica goes against uh, mm -hmm. whoever is in power in Portugal, I don't know the political parties right now, to be honest, right. who's in charge of what. But if yeah. these clubs target yeah. them, and I'm not saying you want to make these things political, but it's like, let's call a spade a spade. You're allowing like 20,000 plus people to watch a football match. You're allowing people in concerts. You're allowing people at venues. You're allowing people for everything, but anything related to Benfica or or the, the football clubs in general. Mm. Yet there's silence from our club. They're not yeah. like the fans are irritated. And it's like, you're supposed to represent us. You're the chairman. You're the president. You're, you're the board of directors. You're the guys on BT. You're supposed to kind of, fight the good fight you might not yeah. win it and so when i see our rivals a guy i despise doing that fight 
I'm like, why aren't we on the microphone? You know, yeah, it's just, I, it's, just it's a lack of leadership and it's, but you have Pedro Guerrero, you'll have him on BTV slandering Lopesh because yeah. the dear leader got offended. Or Ricardo Solnado, who's a great guy. Yeah, no kidding. It's like, come on. Well, let's look at Juan's question here. I have it on the screen. He's yeah, watching yeah. on YouTube or his point. He makes a good point. He says, JJ doesn't even have a best formation. That's how bad we are prepared for Champions League qualifiers. And I'm, I'm going to be honest. I have very little expectation of qualifying for Champions League right now. We have a, a squad in disarray. We have players, a bunch of them going to international duty this summer. And we, as we know, we have some going into surgery. I who knows what we're gonna look like in early August or late July when we have to play these qualifiers, and now we find out the train goes right through via Rui Vitoria most likely, if not in the first oh, qualifying round. There's a chance. There's a chance that could happen. One. That would it's be like, and and there's rumors that we might sell Gabriel to to to, to, to Spartak, yeah, Spartak, because he was a signing of Vitoria's, I think it was, or Vitoria wanted him in the first place. Uh, and, and I look at it and just like there's a bunch of other potential teams we might face. But it just seems like fate would get us that it, direction. It looks, yeah, I don't want that. I really don't because for me, I like. And here's the thing that's agitating, and people will get on my case about this. It's some people then you know say, "Oh, Bifika can't win the Champions League because it's all about the spending power and talent mm-hmm. that these mega clubs like Chelsea and City have," mm-hmm. and they make these arguments why Europe is futile. Mm-hmm. But then when Bifika faces Payok or any of the other potential opponents we might face. We are the Manchester City. No yeah, offense exactly. to, you know, Ganak and all these other right. Pyoks and whatever else you're going to grab mm-hmm. out of that woodwork. We will have potentially twice the budget, twice the value of talent. It's just right. it's not three times in some cases, four times in other cases. And so you can't make the argument saying Luciata is not at fault for us not doing, you know, winning the Champions League. Because obviously I understand that that would be extremely challenging. Mm-hmm ridiculously challenging mm-hmm. but at the same time you can't defend Lucia Fieta and say oh you know it's not his fault that we don't make it through these qualifiers I'm like eh, you're the president man you, you gotta align this yeah. if you don't know anything about the sport you get a good sporting director if the results aren't the same way you fire the sporting director mm-hmm. get another one you know what I mean exactly. like exactly you just gotta be like able to run any other business exactly when it's, you, it's when you don't know how to how to do something you get someone who does yeah, and, and right now all the club is, is surrounded with, and you see it at every level of this entity, mm-hmm. is yes men to Vieta. Yeah. So and, and this is one part where I will defend Vieta. This it's his fault the club is in this situation, but also to an extent now, if he goes, Okay, I want to make things right, guys, who should I have? They're all gonna look at him saying, You've done everything, okay, don't worry, boss. Because mm-hmm. everyone is scared to say anything, yep, then you've done amazing. And every answer they get, or he gets, I mean, is something that people believe he'll be happy hearing not what he needs to hear there's a big difference there's a big difference between me telling someone you know someone that needs to work out a little bit they go ahead i think i'm getting too much weight i oh, know you're fine it's like right. really I, I gotta start doing something in the back of my head i know this guy hates working out it's like you know what you I know that what you, you know lunch <laughs> you know how you hate chicken shawarma don't buy chicken shawarma anymore it's unhealthy yeah. He's like, yeah i don't like it anyways you're giving him tips <laughs> right. and hints yeah that really just plays into his mentality already right so that's the trap we're in. Yeah. And it's a self-made trap. And what do you think JJ's best what do you think the best formation for this team is? I mean, we've we've hammered this all season. We've gone back and forth. JJ wants to play a 4-4-2 and doesn't have the pieces to play his his style. We don't have a true holding midfielder and his 4-4-2 
is dependent on a true holding midfielder. And he's, you know, been hammering Weigel into that role. And he's he's grown into it a little bit, but he's still not truly a a holding, you know, destroyer there in the middle of the midfield like, you know, a Florentino would, would be. I don't understand, again, that loaning off Florentino if that was the way he wanted to play. Plus, but, also, here's the thing. If Weigel's injured, we're yeah. relying on Gabriel. And that's been a train wreck. And, and yeah. so it, it's the planning this year. We got to go into the idea of we got Weigel. You better have Florentino ready. And if you don't keep Florentino and you loan him out again or you sell him, you better sign someone decent to, right. to support Weigel uh, for rotation if Weigel gets injured or if things aren't working out. In terms of the actual formation, I don't mind this idea of trying this kind of uh, three, four, um, mm -hmm. kind of three, four, three or three, three, five, two ish. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> kind of thing. We're, um, I don't mind it. I think Vadisi was amazing. I, I mm -hmm. think Ultimendi and the Vertonghen are decent. I, I think we need more depth in the center back. If we're going to yeah, run this format, you're running, you, you kind of always got to look at, okay, here's your position. You always go, here's my one, my starter. Here's the guy on, on the team that will sub it right for Casa Liga for rotation things of sort. You're going to go with three in the back, and you got no one on the bench except for Murat, which is really a B-team player that you, you br bring in out of necessity, right, mm -hmm. to just fill a body, or Jardel, per se, right? You don't have a good formation. You can't run that formation, especially right. if you have real ambitions of winning the Liga, winning the Cups, and competing in Europe. It, you're, you're going to burn your, your guys out. And George Jujuz was notorious for burning players out at some points where he'd give guys just constant minutes. Yeah. You need the rotation. And I just, um, I don't see it. So if we go. That's with, never been his strength either. <laughs> yeah. If you go back to the, the, the four in the back, you have the two fullbacks, the two center backs. Yeah. At least with the current setup, you could say we have Otamendi, we got Fertongen, we got Frisimu. You got Moratu, but you have your two main ones. You put Verissimo and Otamendi. You have Yen right. Vertonghen coming off the bench here and there. Right. And if you need Moratu for Tas Liga and Yen start or something, like that. but you have at least a little bit of mixture Mishtuda going on. It's it's not as bad, right? It's just this current right. setup can't can't run. It won't work unless you get uh, a deeper bench. Yeah, I I like the three five two or the three four three, however you want to set where you yeah. you know that's a matter of a couple of meters of where you line players yeah, up, yeah, yeah. whether it's one or the. It's really not that big of a difference, but. I like it basically because of the way this team is built. I think that's the best way to play for what we have. What we see in our club is an inability to work with what we have. And what we want to do is, is force what we want to do with what we have versus taking what we have and finding what's best. I think finally we found this. And I know a lot of fans don't like it. And especially on the Portuguese language side of the podcasting world, and they hate this this formation. They want they want Abe Fica, as they call it. They want yeah. to see the team going forward all the time with four four two and with wide play. But we just don't have the 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 squad to play that way, in my opinion. We tried, and and it, it just it didn't work. Like you said, if something happens to Weigel, now you've got Gabriel playing as a holding midfielder. Who Gabriel's best work with Benfica was when he was playing as a high-pressing midfielder under, yes. under Bruno Lage. Now, because what he was then, and we forgave the bad passes and the giveaways because he'd, he'd work so hard to win the ball back back then. Yeah. And he'd win it back, and then he would, you know, he'd distribute. Now you have Gabriel, who instead of pressing high, sits in the middle of the park and makes the same bad passes. So he's not giving us anything. Yet JJ finds him as a, as, as a good idea to put him in against Sporting, you know, as the game is slipping away. 
just yeah, because Feigl, it just because Feigl's on the yellow card, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and the funny thing is, I think it took three minutes for Gabriel to go in and pick up a yellow card himself. It completely defeated the whole purpose of making that substitution. Yeah. And, and it'll be interesting to kind of hear, and you'll only hear these details, and I don't even know if whoever will. Yeah. In terms of decisions made at the beginning of the season, again, if I'm taking Luis Vieta's word for it, he did his, uh, I think it was February, that interview he did, and he said, all the transfers, all the loan ins, loan outs, things of sort. That was all George's huge outside of maybe two guys. You know, one yeah. guy he really wanted, we can get, and we brought in some other some other guy he didn't want, whatever. Uh, and then also the Padrinu, he's a big crack. He's he's a George's huge. That's all he talks about. Lucian is like anytime I call George huge, he just talks about Padrinu, the crack, amazing, amazing, amazing. All he has Padrinu. And I remember watching this interview uh, just a couple months back, saying this guy barely plays. What do you? Yeah. yeah. And then he. <laughs> You saw him included the odd time, but it's like this guy's not even part of the plan. And now it looks like, you know, according to the rumor mills, we're probably going to sell him. And if we get good money, good. But it's just one of these things. It's like, what is the direction the team is going in? What is the type of squad you're building? If it's truly on George's Jouge that he selected all these guys, then, man, it was a terrible job. Well, Pedrinho was was the deal was made before George Jesus came in. Yeah. And and, and then George Jesus in Brazil was, was, was making fun of Benfica for that. If you remember, he was saying, "Oh, we got eight or nine players in that position better than him in the Brazilian league." And, and, that, <laughs> and, and that was uh, Vieira when he said, "There's like uh, yeah. a couple of guys that George didn't pick. Padrinho was yeah. one of them." Yeah. But don't worry, George says he's a crack. He's amazing. Yeah. Now he loves. You know him, what I mean? Right. You know what I mean? Like he kind of went on this whole like he's kind of saying like I did everything George Juju wanted outside yeah. of these two guys. He didn't really have the same Padrinho anyways, but he's amazing. And George says he's amazing. George never denied it, but you see it in the eleven. To me, that's a message saying. No, nah, he's not a crack because if he's a crack, he'd be playing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and maybe that's the perfect segue. Do we want to go to uh, the whole hiring of George Azuzian? I mean, looking back now, I think I, we may get killed for this by some, by some listeners, some viewers. But um, I think it was a mistake. I mean, at the time I was, I saw it. I didn't think there was it was anything was going to stop it from happening. So I didn't get very vocal about it. I said, I thought the writing was on the wall. He was going to go and eventually get George Azuz. And um, I never imagined it'd be this bad, but I think looking back now with 12 months of, of football to look back on, I think this was a, the wrong decision. We had a model we were following and I know we were struggling, but we wanted to bring players through the system. And we were hiring managers that brought players through the system. The moment you bring in George Azuz, that model goes out the door. Yeah. And we offloaded all of our depth, essentially. And, he, and, and what really angers me is we put them in bad situations. We didn't just offload players. We sent them to clubs where they're not going to play. It was a wasted year for Florentino, for, for Jota. You know, it, Jetson made his way, his own way, basically getting himself yep. to, to Turkey, or else it would have been a wasted year and a half for him as well. Um, Lu, uh, Dante Car Carlos uh, Vinicius, you know, he played in the in the League Cup and in the Europa League. I mean, I don't think we really, I don't know what what thought process is put into where we loan these players, other than the only thing I can think of is that they're financial reasons, and it's because fees are still. Paid and exchanged when there are loans. It's not a transfer yeah, fee, but there's commissions and there's there's money. There's, there's, made. there's commissions and there's a fee you can collect on it. And right. Well, maybe if the intent is to sell, you can care and, less. And I think that was the deal. It was these loan to sell deals, which they, they all were. Help the, us. 
yeah, the one to Bayern Munich was to hopefully he mm-hmm. bought and to buy cheap if they uh, trigger another one. Yeah, same with Florentino with Jetson. It was all like, here you go. If you guys make use of them, feel free to buy. Feel free to buy Vinicius. It was like trying to do a wholesale gut of the team in the wrong areas, in my opinion. Also, mm-hmm. um, and in terms of George Juju, it was purely an election play. Uh, it mm-hmm. was trying to kind of stay stay uh, elected, but. And some people defend George, oh, it's his first season. I'm like, no, it's not. This is very different. No. Signing a brand new manager that's green, you gotta you gotta give a manager time. Right. I am I'm a big advocate of giving guys time. If they have a bad year, you gotta give them some more. Mm-hmm. If they're a green manager and you've decided to go down that path, if you go, listen, I'm gonna get a green manager, this is the path I'm going, where we go. You signed a manager that had six years on this team that knows some of the players on this squad are George's players. Mm-hmm. So there's already yeah, a component of this 11, a component of the bench, even though they're old, they're there. Like the, the, a lot of the DNA, there's like still parts that, that he, he knows, he knows the training facilities, knows the methodology. He knows a lot of things about the club. He knows the Shishal. He knows a lot of this. And this wasn't like a last minute sign your shoes right before the season started. He got signed for the final few games of the season. Mm-hmm. Chose not to be the manager because they, you know, they knew that the team was doing so atrocious. They didn't want George Jesus' first couple of games to be a loss to. I think it would have been Sporting and then Porto in the, in the Tassa, right? Yeah. So let's kind of let's save face. George you know, you already know your setup. Here's the talent we're working with. You, you get to take a look at them for a few games, and then you get to analyze it, and then you get to come in do the little quick preseason. Away we go. Let us know what you want. A guy with that much experience behind him, the amount of money that was given to him as a salary, you expect more. And, and any. If you consider Bifika a big club, uh, a club with some any self respect, mm-hmm. a manager would have his head for oh, what yeah. he just did. For what he just did, for how bad the year was. Now, I know at the core of it, I still blame Lucio Vieta because I think he's a, a shit president. Now, I, as I do, I, yeah. Yeah. So that's part of where the conundrum is is he fires George Ashuj. What next? And, and here's the other thing is when I hear about some of the rumors we were hearing last year for talent that we want to sign and some of the rumors we want to sign this year, it's all very short sighted. It's not to build a project, not to rebuild Benfica. It is what's the quickest way to maybe get George a quick win so he can bounce and sign with Porto mm-hmm. or sign with another club. Cause mm-hmm. he has made it very clear. He's here a temporary. He's doing, he was going to come yeah. in for just one year. You'll pay him a ton of money. He's like, fine. I'll waste all your resources. You guys are <laughs> shit. I hate you. I love sporting. I said a lot of garbage about you. If you want to pay me enough money, I'll tolerate you for a year and I'm out. Fine. I'll stay for two years. Right. Um, what's good for the future of this club? I don't care. I want to get that guy. That guy has one more year or two more seasons left in him. I want to build something to pad my resume to get the heck out of here. And if you're left with a bunch of guys that are, you know, whether you looked at the Confani rumors, I was excited about the idea. Don't get me wrong. The yeah. Diego Costa rumors, again, a talented player. You know, if yeah. you look at the Otamendis, the Jan Vertongans, you look at some of the other talent that's been thrown, that's been talked about. He's not looking at guys that are going to be here in three years. He's looking at right. guys that are going to potentially get them the quick and dirty in. And these guys are done. And the club's not going to have a transfer out fee for these guys because they're going to retire. They won't make money off it, and it's mm-hmm. someone else's problem. So I just kind of look at the direction as a whole. I don't, I don't get it. Before you could have made a, a fair argument in defending Vieta and saying well, we're going youth, and I supported it. That my criticism of Vieta from the Penta year onward is. I am all for for youth, but look at Ajax where they use youth and mm-hmm. they bring in some experienced players to blend with it. So every time you sell a big ticket, Renat Sanch, Smidu, take half of that money. I understand half yeah. has to get spent and reinvest it. But it was just a refusal to invest and always dependent 110% on the youth. I'm like, you're going to get in trouble. And we did. 
now saying abandon all youth. It's like, no, that's not how you, you can't just compete with city in the transfer market. You're no. going to get decimated. So you got to build. Yeah. And I think we were made to look f- like fools within the whole Cavani thing. I mean, we were clearly used to leverage a deal somewhere else. He used the interest from Benfica to get himself more money somewhere else. And I, I think someone like Vieta at all these years in management, in, in being the president of the club, and even Hui Costa, I have to put some on him too, to allow themselves to be dragged on for the entire offseason like that, which I think hurt the stability of the team. It hurt, it hurt the building process of the team. And it hurt who came after a lot, I think, because what happens is you don't get Cavani. But here's Darwin Nunez. Yeah, and here's the price. Now, this, it was a panic buy because we needed exactly. to sign someone because we got rid of Vinicius at that point. We right. already got rid of Vinicius thinking we had Cavani, which right. is like so stupid. And So here comes this 20-year-old kid from the second division in Spain, and you've overpaid for him. And it's a gamble. What it is is you're rolling the dice hoping that by the end of this five-year contract, he's worth more than he is now than what you paid for him. All right. But now he's got these ridiculous expectations of scoring 25 goals as a 20 year old in his first top flight season in Europe. If you have, like, here's the thing if you go back a year, no one knew Darwin, first of all. But if if we're having a conversation with Vikishas and you go, here's some youth talent in the second division world, young guys coming up. Uh, If you guys got Gonzalo Ramsh, uh, I hear there's this Darwin kid. Who do you want? Everyone say Ramsh. Right. Because we know him. And we know him. The kid has lots of potential. Yeah. We've seen it. Cool. And then you go, listen, you're saying you've seen Ramsh, and you guys are the scouts. You guys are the experts. Mm -hmm. You analyze Darwin, and you're like, trust me, man. If we have a choice between having Ramsh or Darwin, he's better than Ramsh. So much so, we're willing to like smash a record transfer fee to -hmm. prove how good this kid is. And I think there's lots of potential in Darwin. I think there's a ton of potential, too. but it just wasn't smart. I think if we had kept Vinicius and he had Darwin coming off the bench, things are sort of, but it's just the Vinicius uh, loan was just a stupid move by Mifika. Yeah, it was capitalizing on, on a golden boot that he won with, what, 18 goals. I mean, the lowest yeah. ever. It was, it was totally okay, exploiting, eh? um, you know, a very unique, uh, an anomaly, if you will, scoring. So few goals to win a golden boot, but hey, it's the golden boot. Tottenham, here you go. And Mourinho being at Tottenham at the time said, I need I need a League Cup striker to well and Harry Mendes, Kane. Mendes, rest. Yeah. And Mendes, I, I, yeah, and you get George yeah. Mendes in there. And yeah. that that this is really where these deals come from. It has nothing to do with the product on the pitch, it has nothing to do with the club's needs. It has to do with the people they do business with and what they want to do. Yeah. And there and there's a lot of um a, a lack of accountability. So Luis Veda beat his chest with spending the way he spent mm-hmm. and ran the election on it. This is what I did. Right. Then the election ends and it's going sideways. This is what George Juj did. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of see the change in narrative. And by the way, I'm not going to show up my face anymore because the shit's going bad. I don't want my yeah. face to be the face of it. Right. So let's throw Rui Costa out there. And, but someone has got to go. And if, I don't know, I, I would not care. I love Rui Costa, but if Rui Costa got fired from Ifika, Say it's his fault. I'm like, I don't care. Take someone. Yeah, I, I don't care for George Juj. I don't uh, care for someone Costa. has. To Someone's got to go. Be accountable. Exactly. Yeah, you can't have that bad of a season, spend that kind of money, and have no change whatsoever in the mentality. Yeah. Do Do you want to talk about uh, what's going on over there with with fans and 
voice yeah, and it's, opinions, it's, it's, and we've it, talked a little bit uh, about this off off air. Yeah, it's it's a challenge where you have these, you know, you got these people that, okay, Lopes ran against Vieta, and you go back to the election. So you go back to the election, and you had a candidate go against Vieta the first time Vieta truly got challenged at this level. Mm -hmm. And Lopes won more votes than Vieta has ever won in his entire presidential right. life after many elections at Mifika. Mm -hmm. Vieta has never won the presidency of Mifika mm -hmm. with the number of Lopes votes that he got. That he got, right. Um, magically, in the worst year possible with everything that happened, Vieta shattered the record for votes. Yeah. He came out on this whole thing beforehand. He refused to do debates, which mm -hmm. aggravated a lot of people. Every candidate tried, like, no tomorrow to issue debates, tried debates. Mm -hmm. There was even one that came very close where Lopes was at a casa, and Vieta made some BS excuse. Oh, it's just timing. We can't get the timing, whatever. And Vieta was supposed to be at a, a, another casa campaigning the next day. Lopes was like, I'll go there. I'll cancel all my offense. I'll yeah. go there. Vieta right. instantly said, no, no, I'm canceling. I won't go. I, I don't want to be anywhere near any other candidate. I can't be seen debating anything because I can't. Um, so the whole election was done improperly in that sense. There is a whole process on counting the ballots that was said how it's supposed to be gone, how the ballots are supposed to be gathered. Uh, the protocol wasn't followed. It was right. clearly video. A lot of fans, a lot of devs recorded saying, oh, this is fishy. At the end of the day, Vieta won. The calls to recount the ballots. There's some fair arguments. The club's refusal to legitimize the election, to count mm -hmm. the ballots, to... Uh, hire lawyers to fight any court cases against the counting the ballots to refuse to call a general assembly to discuss anything fans. It creates this whole anti Vieta thing that was already there. And I'm, I'll admit that oh, one yeah. of these guys, I was sick of them. Oh, I was but, there too. <laughs> but after the election, I, and this is recorded. I said, listen, it's over. Vieta won. Coalesce. Kaiga Bifika. We got to all come together. Yep. His refusal to do these things has only fueled this movement that is sick of the way things are being run. Um, that movement just gets worse and worse and worse, the way Vieta acts. You think of General Assembly. So Vieta is getting together with the president of Porto, president of Sporting, a bunch of delegates, uh, Liga people. He got together with them a few days ago. Policy, full room. They make fun about the goodie bags they all came out with. Mm -hmm. There's a General Assembly because of all this called, oh, because of COVID, we can't have the General Assembly, but I can have a General Assembly that doesn't yeah. have socios. You know what I mean? It's these types of actions that as each month goes by, you get one or more person that goes, I'm sick of this, man. You can't, you can't act like this. You can't run the club mm -hmm. this way. Um, so in terms of these people, man, they're just trying to create more awareness. They're not backing any particular candidate, but I'll tell you this much. If it was Lopes that, that ran, that support him. If it was another prominent guy, they just don't want Vieta in office anymore. And Vieta, you know, to his detriment, you know, he could have counted the ballots, confirmed things. He refused to. Um, then there's other areas where Vieta could have won on. So the women's team, and I know we kind of talked about the idea. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll spend some time talking about we'll They pulled off them. something amazing, right? The, the mm -hmm. fact that they won something uh, being such a new project that was created. Yeah. Vieta could come out and say, listen, this is something I backed and look what they did in such a short period of time. He doesn't bother going to the game. He doesn't bother talk as being there with the celebration. Any other no. club president would be there. Yeah, because he's got his own other issues to take care of. It's his refusal to 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 even take part in those items. So if you're a person that supports the women's game and you're like, oh my god, what a great accomplishment! Where's my president? Just mm -hmm. the Champions League youth final that we went to. He right. didn't bother going to the game. Mm -hmm. 
every other club's president goes. It's these things that you're doing that it's like you support the youth. You got the message. Vieta doesn't support it. You support the women. Vieta doesn't support that. You, mm -hmm. you support the, you know what I mean? Like it's like bit by bit. There's areas where Vieta can have very easy wins on to help coalesce that the fan base. And he doesn't even put he in doesn't do it. minimal there, effort. Yeah. Yeah. There's things he could do that would get him more support. And it, it kind of help because this isn't good for the club to have this division. Right. It's, it's only, and the thing is his actions only make it worse to get freaking Guerrero, that guy out in BTV slandering everyone that disagrees with Vieta. Mm-hmm. Maybe Vieta loves that, but it only agitates more and more fans. It's yeah. it's it's a self creating or uh, self fulfilling prophecy in a way, which you're going to have mm -hmm. more protests. And I'm curious, once fans are allowed in the stadium, how things turn out? Yeah, I, I, obviously, if we had fans in the stadium this season, it would have been a much a much different environment. I think the anti Vieta hostility would be turned up even more. Which um, makes sense why he's the only president out of the big three that not no advocating for fans yeah. back. Right. He doesn't exactly. want fans around. The club's exactly. better without he, the fans. He is the least popular probably of the big – let's say big four. Braga deserved to be in the conversation now. Yeah. It's, it's, um, and then you kind of go with the whole thing I had with the Super League conversation yeah. and the general statement that was thrown out saying we'll get new fans. Yeah. That reeks <laughs> of Vieta's mentality. It, it does. And and it makes – it really explains why Vieta – has done some of the, you know, he goes against the statutes of the club, adds colors to the uniform that he's technically not allowed to do, yeah. which some people take that more seriously than others. But it's the little things, the, the monochromatic emblem. And these are the little things that the Super League uh, owners and presidents are doing. You've seen Juventus change from a crest they had for 100 years to a simple J because it's it's popular marketing. in Asia. Yeah. Marketing. All right. You're, you've seen Inter get a new badge and and it's it's just never mind the english teams they change badges all the time but it i mean he he literally fits he it's like he's trying to audition for that super league group as far as in the boardroom with the decisions he makes with this club and i think the fan base see the majority of the fan base sees through it or the the vocal part of the fan base now for the first time ever mario after we we lost the cup final someone explained to me now, what are you going to say to mobilize the 36%? And I thought that was hilarious that someone thinks I have that kind of influence over that many people, which is yeah, no a joke. But the fact that, because we always talk about the 63 or the 64%, yeah. and, and finally someone fought back and said the 36%, talking about us. So someone, yeah. because who are who is this two-thirds majority? They, they don't You normally, don't see them. You just don't, you see, don't them. see them. I, I know I I know only of a handful of guys yeah. that will say I support this current yeah. structure. It, right. If you look at every single Bifica project that's independent across both English and in Portuguese, you, you see a tiny amount. Like if you do it as a percentile, yeah. right. it's a small percentage kind of might support Bif uh, Vieta. The majority, vast majority, don't like it. And, and it's, again, you'll see like the odd guy saying, yeah, sure, I like them. But again, and I, I've had events with like a hundred people in it. I might have like five people that say, yeah, I like Vieta, but the other 95 don't like them. Right. And it's just, it's like, I don't know where the heck this support is. Cause I just, you just don't see it. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think those of us that spend this much time on this team, I think you, you come to a conclusion that something's wrong. Whereas I guess if you just turn on your TV every week, watch the game, turn it off and go about your life. You're not maybe as, as aware 
Well, if you only watch BTV, right? Especially if you only watch BTV. And that's the problem. And I and I love the idea of BTV, but this is where it's gotten corrupted. It's like you're refusing to debate, you're refusing to discuss issues. And you use that as a platform to slander anyone that doesn't agree with what the president says. Not the club, the president. The president, exactly. And the president is not the club, and he's really carried himself like an owner more than a president in the past year at least. But yeah, onto the women's thing, I would say yeah, that's, let's, that's let's a massive there. accomplishment because I, I got to say like that is um, as a father of two, uh, a son mm-hmm. and a daughter, mm-hmm. uh, my little girl's quite young. You know, she she knows I love Mifika. She knows uh, my, my wife loves Mifika. And, and so because the little kids, you know, they're cute and she loves listening to Bifika songs. And she when Bifika's playing, she's like, oh, it's Bifika's playing. I go, yeah, OK, go ahead. She doesn't she's little. Right. But she cheers right. it on. She gets very excited. So here's this cup final, and she's she comes in the living room. She says, "Oh, Bifika's playing." I'm like, yeah, but but Eva, sit down with me. Look, look, it's it's the girls' team. She's like, "What? Yeah. It's the girls' team. Look at the girls' team." And she's like, "Oh," and she got she had this cute smile on her face that there are these girls with yeah. hair like her that are playing representing Bifika and winning a championship. It means a lot. I know there's some people that sometimes go, "Oh, this isn't," but it is the future of. I know there's Molly Dodge. There's two differences. Sometimes people mm-hmm. go, oh, this is part of the Molly Dodge. I'm like, to me, it isn't. Because to no. me, it's you have football and you have the proper men's team. The women's sport is growing in Europe. You're seeing the Champions League, the amount oh, yeah. of money going in. You're seeing mm-hmm. every major club has investments in the side. Bifika was well behind the curve on this one. Absolutely. Uh, but Bifika invested big. I, I got to say, if I lived in Portugal, I would go to some of these games myself. I, I get oh, yeah. depressed mm-hmm. when I don't see the level of support I think that they should have because how cheap tickets are. Uh, but you know, they're investing big investing in like Canada as a powerhouse in the women's game. They, they, they got yeah. a, a Canadian girl. That's a, a talent, mm-hmm. right? They, they yeah. went out to Brazil and got talents. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they keep them out and it's going to develop the, the Portuguese women's side. Cause they're going to get some players that come out of it also. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it is, it's something huge. I think for the sport, I think it's good for Bifika. I think it's something we should continue to grow. I think it's a proper investment. Um, and man, it was cool to see. It was very cool to see because it's it's something you just don't normally see as a team with such little experience. Yes, talented players, but as an existence, very new to win it like that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been vocal. I, I've fallen in love with that team over the course of its its short history. I yeah. mean, when it, I always like, I almost am embarrassed saying I I was pretty like ignorant of the women's game for most of my life. And then I heard Benfica's getting a women's team. And because it's Benfica, all of a sudden I'm like, well, I'm, I, I can, I can give this a try. I, I watched the first game, the, the presentation. It was a preseason game against yeah. like Deportivo Coruña. And I was like, wow, they're good. And then I'm like, this is Benfica. I'm like, gee, all of a sudden in a preseason friendly, by the end of the game, I see myself on the edge of my seat. Like as I watched the same way I watched the men's team. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna follow this, you know. Like, and I followed that first season, which they they destroyed everything in their path because they had to start in the second division. They're winning yeah. matches 38 to nothing, which is it was wild. Um, you want, it's, it's, wild. Fun. it's fun. It's fun. Man. You're watching it like a fun. smashing. It's the it's your team. But, plus, plus also like I get with the B team and even the women's team, they play like a, a, in the Seychelles and, and yeah. the other fields they got. But the odd game they play at the Luge, yeah. and something about seeing the sport played at the Luge. Yeah. It just gives you. It's like that's our cathedral. That's yeah, it adds more and, oomph to it. And it's it's great. Like as I started getting more and more into this team, right? They won the cup in their first year in existence out of the second division. They won the Tasa Twelve. They beat the champions, the first division champions, Sporting Braga, to to get to the final. And then they win the final. 
so I, I start to know the names after a while. You see a new few games. So I said, I should be covering. Why am I not covering this team in my podcast? I have a podcast. Why have I never talked about this? And I, so I start to, and I find that I have a lot more fun talking about them. I have a lot more fun watching them play and, and, and taking notes on what they're doing. And then I start to like tag the players in, in posts and, you know, I'll put an Instagram story up, new women's episode, and I'll tag as many of the players as I can in there. They're responding. They're oh, thank you so much. This means so much to us that you that you guys are, are watching, and, and your compatriot there, Chloe Lacasse. I got yeah. when she resigned. I put it in my Instagram story, right? Because yeah. my first reaction after we won that game against Sporting and we won the Liga BPI, we were the champions. In the first full season, we were in the first division. We won the title. That that needs to sink in a little bit. And we beat two established teams in Braga and in Sporting. We've been together for years. And then when she resigned, that was like a weight off of my shoulders because I was worried she, she had grown so much in the two seasons she's been here that she was going to go somewhere else. Now that she was part of the Canadian national team, that takes on a whole new profile. And then they've resigned her. So I put it in. I got a message back from her, and she's like, "Let's go." <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're in it, uh, and they're trying so to grow cool. the sport. They're trying to grow the sport, yeah. and it's. Uh, and I'll say, from a Canadian's perspective, we've always had uh, or a little backwards in the sport in the sense of, and I don't want to call it backwards, but just the reality of it that typically it's men's game first, women's mm -hmm. game second. In Canada, the men's game has been extremely far behind, while the women right. have been winning tournaments, mm -hmm. and uh, so they have more face similar, time. Similar down here in the states, it's similar. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, true. Uh, where the, the 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 women's U.S. team is is massive, but it's it's cool to kind of see that um, uh, kind of growth. I think it's good for the league. I think it's good for the sport. I just I, I like it, and I I feel it's more tied to the main team than any, anything else the club has. Um, so I'm excited for the Champions League next year to kind of see who they line up with and what mm -hmm. they do there. Uh, I, I, I'm going to try myself following it even closer than than I do now. Uh, I sometimes get annoyed that the I, I feel you just don't hear enough of it from the club. Yeah, you know, you hear true. drips of it, but like, I, I think it's huge. I, I do get very, I think it's just the Portuguese mentality. It is. Yeah. I, I forgot to remind myself. It's an old mentality yeah. country. Right. Um, but before the whole situation with the shutdown and things are sort when they had fans in the stadium, the club was offering practically free games next to nothing. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to like pull people to, to watch these people, these girls play. And I just kind of yeah. look at it like, Man, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, it's it's a, I kind of would, I'd make wisecrack comments when they first launched this team, saying, if I lived in Portugal, I got a wife, I got two kids. Yeah, everyone in Portugal complains about how much poverty stricken they are, which is in, yeah. BS in my opinion because I've gone there many times and they live a very good lifestyle, uh, and relative to the cost of living. And when you got a major sports team saying, hey, you want to go watch a game for a buck? I can't do it. I'm sorry. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't I be know. bothered. I got to go spend uh, five bucks a day on Kafesh because I'm going to have more right. Kafesh out the day. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like you could yeah. take your entire family out and have an amazing outing mm -hmm. and support something good and it's connected with the club. And I, it always irritates me that I just feel it should be a full house. And even if it's not, they should just have more support. And it's just yeah. this, it's a and piss poor mentality. David saying here, he's watching on YouTube. It's He says the same about Braga's club. It's a fresh, uh, it's a fresh air of expectations. And it, I, I, I say so, yeah. I mean, what's exciting about this this women's team, it, like you said, they're going into the Champions League again, second time. Next year, the Champions League is adding a group stage. This year, it was a knockout the whole yeah. way through. They ran into the second best team in the world once they got the, you know, once the, the heavyweights got in. 
and they were knocked out in the cha- in the tournament proper by Chelsea, who went all the way to the final. So there's no shame in that. Um, the the disparity in the investment between Benfica and Chelsea in the women's game is, you know, uh, yeah. you have a world eleven on Chelsea's side. I remember uh, Valdemar Duarte, the the commentator, when he called the game on BTV, explained that 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 Chelsea women's team is worth more than I forget how many. The payroll is higher than I forget how many he said, but seven, eight, you know, first division men's teams in Portugal. So that's what we were going against. And Bra- and he just, he, David just added here. I'll put it. And Braga last year ran into PSG. Same exact situation. Yeah, yeah they, they spend big time. And they spend yeah, big yeah. time. They spend All their big time. Huge, yeah. And it's, you know, the, the future, the upside on this women's team is so high. I, I wrote an article about Tika Nazareth. She's 18 years old. She signed with George Mintz, first of all. She's the first female player to sign with him, which tells you the the potential there. He's not just signing. He's, he's doing it for money. He knows exactly. there's potential marketing dollars are there. The amount of money the women's team in the U.S. and in Canada bring in from a marketing standpoint exactly. is quite large. And the European right. market, understand that the, the sport, and obviously you'll know this, is how it's – it's big in, in North America, not that big, but in Europe, it's a as this women's game grows in Europe and it's going to grow in Latin America and it has been growing. It just, it's going to bring in more dollars. The investment oh, is, is worthwhile. Yeah. And we've seen, I mean, Benfica has gotten Brazil internationals, a Canadian international, a Nigerian international. These are all world cup level players. They're not just bringing in. Plus they have the core. Now Benfica has probably almost half of the Portuguese national team within its its club if it's not now it will be over the next four-year cycle to the next world cup um we we have seven girls going into this next national team camp for portugal and i think that's more than even sporting who have been the core of the national team for quite some time and i just see the upside and and you know now you got philippe paton who came in as the new manager at the halfway point of the season everything changed when she took over she gets it She's got the football mind, but she was a player herself, and it's I it, I don't I want to be careful not to sound sexist, but I think women are better coached by women in a lot of situations, and we'd had you know males coaching the women's team, and and the change in this team when a female took over, she just maybe it's just the 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 approach to how to explain things that might be slightly different. That makes them that much more clear. She's got she's got males in her staff, but the voice, the 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 authority in well, the team it, is it's, a female it's, voice. It is also, you know, I'm talking to someone that has been there, like mm-hmm. I have been there. Exactly. Right? So I, I, there's a, a better level of, of relation in there, and and then I also look at the other huge thing I'm excited to see, and and again, the the women's game is more broadcast here in North America in the sense of the mm-hmm. the, the World Cups and things of sort. Yeah. Um, the last 20 some odd years, Portugal has been a powerhouse in the sport on the men's side. So you're going late nineties, golden generation up until today, a team that is always in every tournament. If you do a Nike advertisement, because they're our sponsor, or you see a world cup advertisement or a Euro advertisement, the Portuguese symbol is there. Yeah. That's not said about uh, other, again, 10 million plus pop, 11 million people yeah, in this small. country. So if you look at Croatia, you look at these other countries that are, mm-hmm. let's say population Similar. size. Yeah. They will once every other tournament and once in a blue moon show up. However, on the women's game, you never see the Portuguese flag ever. And, no. and the benefit to this is how good Braga has been doing, how good sporting has been doing and now Benfica 
and more investment going in is they're bringing these external talents playing with domestic talents. It ups the level of the game. It produces more women to, to play. And I hope very soon we're going to start seeing a uh, Portuguese national team on the women's side competing a bit more because, you know, yeah. you kind of you create this culture, you create more, you know, you had all male trainers, like you said, and also you get a female with still male assistants, but you get other, you might get a Portuguese assistant that's female. That may, it's a female that, that's played a little bit, wasn't great, but she knows the game and she has a head for the game because now there's the job opening. It creates positions right. for them. And that will only filter more into the federation and just the growth mm-hmm. across the board. Right. So it's, it's a very good thing. It's a good news story in my opinion. I had the opportunity years ago to meet Monica George, who at the time was the women's national team coach. Okay. And she was at that time, very, the, the federation was looking in North America for talent that could qualify for a Portuguese passport to get into the national team. So I I've met, a handful of ex-Portugal internationals because they live here in the United States or in Canada. And I've crossed paths with them on the coaching, on the, you know, in the coaching, uh, turn different coaching things we've been to, but you know, I started following the Portuguese team then because I started to know people on the inside. So I had a little more interest and I know we had a tryout here in my area. I sent, I think three players. I, I recommended three players to go try out for Portugal's national team, American born players. Yeah. Um, None of them ended up doing it because the Federation literally couldn't guarantee them anything. You're going to go to Portugal and then what? You're going to go to this one national team camp. They'd have jobs they'd have to leave. They'd have school they'd have to leave. At that time, it just wasn't doable. But now you fast forward 10 years and they're not looking for players here anymore. They got their own. The Benfica, Sporting, Braga, Fomalicão are producing players that are feeding in. We got a, a girl on on uh, Maritimu, who is now in the full national team as a teenager as well. And I, I actually wouldn't mind if Benfica thought about maybe even signing her. I don't even know if it's possible because she, I believe she's still a student. So yeah. there's complications in, in moving from the island to the to the continent to, to join Benfica. I mean, I'm sure it's things that could be worked out. But the reality is a lot of these girls are still students. There were a Champions League match where Andrea Fria missed the trip to Chelsea because she had an exam. Like it's still, it's like, it's like the old and the new, like kind of, this is that meeting point. Yeah. And you know, from here you see where it's going to go because the team is getting more professionalized. The money we spent on a lot of foreign players at the start, most of them have gone. We've replaced them with homegrown players. We just lost our captain. Darlene went to Flamengo, not for any other reason than the fact that Kika is better than her. As an yeah, she's good. She's good. She's good. <laughs> you know, and Darlene needs to play. She needs minutes or she won't get back in her national team. And this is where I don't like, I don't want to offend the people that are big fans of the Molly Dodge, but there, there are things in Molly Dodge, whether, you know, cycling, call, whatever it is. Um, it's a good natured effort. It's nice to have a Bifika representation, but the club is not going to make massive dollars. No. Like The goal is to try to see if we can get the Molly Dodge self-sufficient, which is tough. And a lot of times it requires more money to keep them alive. The Champions League actually pays some some mm-hmm. serious coin. And the amount of yeah. money that UEFA is dedicating to it and sponsors like Nike and Adidas and things of sort, like Adidas wants this. Like they're a shirt sponsor. If we go with another shirt sponsor, more and more when they're looking at it and they're kind of looking at the institution they're partnering with as mm-hmm. a brand, whether it be Reebok, whoever it is, they go, okay, cool. I'm going to slap my, my brand. I'm going to pay you, Mifika, money. I got a women's team in the deal also. Great. Like it actually does move the needle 
mon- from a monetary Absolutely. standpoint, a huge investment up front, and you got to stick with it. But I think it's good for these clubs to be doing it. I think it's part of the, the future of the sport. And if you get in, you know, we missed the ground floor. Uh, I will say we have missed the ground floor, but yeah. it's still so early in the development of the sport mm-hmm. that there's a lot of growth to get in there, right? Absolutely. And, and there are going to be pretty good sized transfer fees collected at some point for these players. I do believe that. Uh, and that's only going to fund the sport even more. And that's the upside we're talking about. And yeah. as these big clubs, you know, in England and in France are, are investing more and more in it. And in Spain now, Barcelona just won the women's champions league with an absolute <laughs> onslaught. I mean, they absolutely thrashed uh, Chelsea and they're a mostly Spanish and Dutch team. Uh, grown in La Masia, just like the men were. And, and, and I, and I look at the, the target audience and I understand that, you know, the, there's an old country mentality with the older generation and, and I had having been born there and also knowing having a lot of family there, but the generation of my age, they like this. Yeah. And the next generation likes even further. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking right. at your mid thirties and you look at people in mid twenties, they like it even more. You look at the kids in their teens. Yeah. It, it is going to be the expectation that they have this to cheer for. Cause I look yeah. at the stands today at Benfica when we had before the whole thing. And you look at the, the, the people in the, in the stands, you have a certain number of women in the stands watching Benfica play the, the men's team. If I go back 20 years ago, that was not the case. You saw right. some, but not as much like, it's just, you know, you look at kind of the development in general of society, you got to go with the damn curve. It's just, you got to yeah. modernize. And so I, I'm excited for it because I think it's the right place to be. I think it's good growth for the club. I think it's good growth for the sport. And going back to my daughter, man, it's really cool that yeah, she'll have something to cool. cheer on and she'll have some titles. And the only thing I'm waiting on, and I've been trying to find it, is I have not seen a, I have a collection of scarves. You can see, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and it's all around and things of sort. Yeah. It's the first ever title that Bifiga's yeah, ever won. That one, want, that championship with the one on it, you know. <laughs> I, I want, I want a yeah. scarf with that. I haven't seen it yet. I keep going oh, to the lodge, and right now, as we were talking, they're selling a T-shirt or the jersey. They have, X, yeah. you know, they, they won the thing, so the, whatever jerseys they got, they're selling, uh, which makes sense. Whatever the season's done, you want to clear out the jerseys, and they're promoting that. Um, but I want, I want a damn scarf, man. <laughs> yeah, and you but, can see what David said there on the screen, and he's one hundred percent right, and it. It's in so many areas. This is so true because just look at the way the men's game is promoted. Look at how they televise it. It's we are all proud of being Portuguese, but man, they are not good at. They're, it's they're not oh, good communication and communication. Marketing and just yeah, I gotta say, and I offend a lot of people back home, and I, I feel bad because I got family uh, and friends I out there. I but, do too. <laughs> but my God, like the problem is, is they're living in the stone ages and how they run businesses and how they think. And it's not like, I'm not even talking about sexism and shit. Like I'm just talking in general marketing, right. Uh, uh, awareness of issues, just like even this whole thing of the, the lockdown and reopening up, you know, denying anyone. You could have given a thousand Bifikishas and a, a thousand fans from Braga, you know, social distance with lots of space oh. and given the 20,000 to the Champions League. But you would have given to say not one soul can attend. Yeah. But the, it's like, come on, guys. When you're having concerts, but that you can't have one person. You know what I mean? Like, right. you could have said, you know, listen, because of social distancing things, but we understand families are being careful. We're going to open it up to like a few kids. Like I, the Canadian Premier League mm-hmm. did uh, in the midst of the whole shutdown last year, last season. Mm-hmm. Right. They couldn't have fans. So they did a bubble. They did have a couple of games where they said, you know, we understand it's a bubble. 
they invited a few families, a few schools, a few children in a very set up structured manner. It's not a friggin' stadium full of people. It was a hundred people spread out, but it was cherry picking. They could have used that as an opportunity to, you know, here's a orphanage. We're going to take all the orphans out and we're going to spread them out. They can go watch a game because we can actually do that in a 30,000 seat stadium and space out 300 people. Cause that's, if you can't space them out in that venue, you can't space them out anywhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's missed opportunities from a marketing standpoint. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's silliness, but they, they, there's so many things that you look at, man. You guys just so close to doing something good. You know, and they, they haven't figured this out. Like, again, they scheduled the last day of the Liga Nage the day before. A team's reported to training on Tuesday, finding out, or on Monday, finding out they're gonna their game is now on Tuesday. And, of course, your TV partners around the world can't keep up with that. They yeah. can't show listings of what game is going to be on. Here in the U.S., Gold TV didn't even show the last day until the following weekend. They showed it on Saturday. and So, so while Benfica was playing in the Tasa final against Braga, their game against Vitória Guimarães was on Gold TV. Because, yeah. And I totally put that all on the league because of the way that they do things. They, they, the way they conduct business is just so asinine and so backwards, so antiquated. They, they're running it, it, it like a, an amateur league when it's a fully professional Business. And it's the whole favoritism too, and I, I I love Bifica, but the favoritism towards Bifica to Sporting and to Porto is disgusting, and I, and it goes with the schedule where the reason they don't want to release a full schedule in advance is they go, okay, let's see how Bifica, Sporting, and Porto do in the Champions League or Europa League, because if let's say you know Sporting gets knocked out, they get third place in the Champions League, and they go to Europa and they get a game on Thursday, we want to make sure that they get lots of rest. So it's like they have no care about. Uh, the Pasfreda, the world, the other clubs playing, they're they're trying to finesse the league to keep the big club. It's like, no, release the schedule. We know the European schedule. UEFA releases that well in advance. Mm-hmm. So you know exactly all the match days up until the Champions League final, pretty much on, on cue and same Europa. Mm-hmm. So you schedule and go with the assumption that, listen, we're not going to, for the, the teams that are qualified for Europe, we will align their games to be on a Sunday. If a team's in the Champions League, we're going to allow their game, uh, not have any games on a Sunday on this preceding week. There's a chance we'll only have them like right uh, uh, on Saturday. You know what I mean? You can arrange it and then do your draw and away you go and boom. And yeah. you map it out for the entire season. And whichever clubs have qualified for European competition, you've aligned the schedule. Some way know, for some- exactly. And that's it. And it's like, um, and, and if you need to make an exemption and move a game, then you do it. Like if right. you have a case where you put, you know, just in case they're in the Champions League and they play on a Tuesday, let's put them on a Saturday. But to get knocked out early in the qualifier, let's say like Bifika did, and they go to Europa and now they're playing on a Thursday, they go out. Oh, we can only shift the Saturday game to a Sunday game. Yeah. The only sh- and at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world because the way you run run the schedule. But it's just – it's such a poor choice by a Liga not to broadcast that because it makes it harder for planning. I mean, the Portuguese club, my, my old man's the president yeah. of a club – and they have a billboard with all the matches coming up. Right. That billboard yeah. gets updated when they update the Liga, which is like yeah. a week or two in advance usually, exactly. right? And you fall behind. It's, and it's so hard to plan a trip. I mean, if I want to go see here, and as much as I criticize Major League Soccer, if I want to go see, say, El Trafico, LA versus LA, as a neutral, on the first day the schedule's released, I can go to the website. I can purchase a ticket. I have a start time, a date. I can purchase a hotel. I can purchase a flight. Yeah. And I know they're going to play within a reasonable window of that time. It may be move forward or backwards a couple of, even a day. But if you go for a weekend, you're going to catch the match. 
Yeah. And it's, it's very, it's very, um, yeah, it's just very poor planning how they do it. Right. It's, uh, uh, so the cloud of Thursday, then the fan. I'm just reading Dave's comment here. I am too. Uh, yeah, I'll yeah. put it up so the viewers can see it. Yeah, oh, it's I easy do, for me to read. I do remember that. I I remember being pretty pissed off about that, knowing you know the heavy Azorian population here in the area I yes. live in. They that's a, that's the game of the year for them when Benfica goes to their home, and they want to go see them play in the Azores, and they move it. You know, people have tickets and they just move the game. They arrive on Friday and that's it. It goes to the whole um, lack of respect for the fan base mm-hmm. and the people who who support this this item. This is where the mockery of the Super League, to an extent, happened. Is the fact they had these these teams that tried creating this entity, and you had a lot of clubs bitching. But there's a rifle level of mockery that happened to the teams bitching because the same teams that were complaining, if you think of Ajax, well, I don't, I don't want to make comments, but I think Ajax does a good job, but let's say Bifika. Mm. I'll pick on Bifika because Bifika's just say, oh, this isn't good for the sport. I'm like, yeah, uh, you're right. That Super League's not good for the sport, and what you guys do domestically is also not good for the sport. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you're recognizing this, that the fans are important and that there's certain yeah. things about the sport that have to be respected. Um, you should probably start doing it locally also. It goes a long way. And you see the comment there on the screen now. Grimes says he's tired of playing Thursdays. No more your league. That that is also a nightmare for scheduling when we play well, on Thursdays. I, I, Another I hate the Thursdays and and because they always yeah. lead to Monday games. I hate Monday exactly. Games, and and next thing you know, a month and a half has gone by where you haven't had any weekend fixtures, and it's just like, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how the season comes up. There's lots of. Man, there's so much potential. I also feel it's I've never felt this like bipolar on the club where I feel like it's a complete train wreck, reset the club, needs mm-hmm. to blow everything up. Till also at the same conversation, I could have a conversation with someone and say how mm-hmm. a couple of more pieces and this this is a, a great team on our hands. You know what I mean? Like it's just Ah, it's so tough. Yeah, right? I know. How are you doing on time, Mario? I know you've got some commitments today. I got, I got, uh, yeah, I got to run off in a short bit here. Okay. Uh, I got my old man is uh, his festivish for his son. She's coming up uh, right. in a couple of days, and <laughs> okay. last minute, uh, it happened that we're hosting it here. So <laughs> I just had a couple things I wanted to hit on, and we kind of hit yeah, on yeah. it. Uh, but let's talk about the finances at the club for a minute. Where do you think yeah. they are right now? I know you're usually more in tuned in this than mostly anyone I know. So I'd like to get your opinion on where we are right now. So there was a really cool thing that came out. Um, let's see if I can find a KP, KPMG uh, is an auditing firm, a national auditing firm, um, which oh, cool. does um, uh, annual reports. Deloitte does these also, and they, they released their most annual mm-hmm. one for uh, Europe. It was kind of neat. Bifika's on it because Bifika's on this list because I, I don't give a damn what anyone talks about for Vieta and everything else, things of sort. This club is a powerhouse in Europe. It makes mm-hmm. more money than, you know, I have actually had people saying, oh, Bifika can't compete with a team that just got promoted into the EPL. Mm-hmm. That's an outright lie. Right. There are, only, there are eight EPL teams with higher valuations than Bifika. And mm-hmm. that's it. And Bifika used to be higher. Bifika fell off right. a little bit last year. Uh, earnings wise from that report, uh, we, we saw a drop in earnings, no different than at all the other clubs, not anywhere near yeah. the worst yeah. of it. If you think of the top 30 mm-hmm. clubs, we're in the middle of the pack in right. terms of losing uh, some ticket revenue, but it wasn't that much. We only lost, I think it was like 10%. Uh, 
Uh, and then, you know, we complain about how much money was spent. Um, the reality is it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. We, we spent a ton of money, but we sold a ton of talent. Also sold Ruben Diaz and other players. And uh, so Bifica only spent 30 million. That's it. Uh, this is a club that's made a fortune financially. It, it is a healthy club. It has mm-hmm. a capacity. Um, it's just, there's just a lot of money that keeps disappearing each season. I think there, I don't think the club when Vieta was leaning to the idea that we can't sign that much this summer. I think that's an outright lie. We can sign more if we want to sign more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we might actually spend a bit more money this year. I don't know how, how it's going to shake out in terms of sales. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if we easily dropped another 60 million this, this off season and also probably sell like a Pizzy or someone else kind of offset it a bit. But I'm not worried about the financial situation of the club at all. I think there's, okay. you know, it's healthy. I think we could, we could push a bit more. Yeah, that, that's good to hear because you do hear about selling, and I have a question. Like I question how much we actually have to sell that there's actually a demand for right yeah. now, and I think a lot of our players have lost value. Um, I, I agree. I think I think you yeah. can hoodwink someone on Pizzy in a sense because yeah. he was a Europa League top goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they could kind of say, listen, the guy was, you know, you think Bruno Fernandes is good? When Bruno Fernandes competed in the same level as Pizzi, it was Pizzi winning the MVPs. So there yeah, he was winning more monthly MVPs. You saw that he delivered in Europe right now. The club's in a bit of a mess. This guy's looking to move on to something bigger, and you can kind of do the, we wish we could keep him, but aw shucks, we got it. So I think we can get yeah. a decent ticket on him. Um, I don't think Tottenham is going to trigger the clause uh, on Vinicius. I really doubt right. it now that Mourinho's gone. Um so I think we could get something for him. I don't know, Rafa, if we could have the same route. I and think Rafa in England could be a very good player because of his style. Where When he's yeah. not being focused on by the opponent, because that's what hurts him in our league is they just start hacking him. They don't yeah. really play that way in other places. They just play. And if he's not focused on, I think he could end up having a good season. He's still young enough, and if he stays fit, to have a good season somewhere. Yeah. And I, I think we could get I, – I got a feeling it's going to be – upsetting but because jetson showed up a good bit i, mm-hmm. I think he, he's gonna get sold it might not be for a great amount but if you think of if we got mm-hmm. like 30 million for pizzy all of a sudden we get like 15 million or 10 million for jetson because he you know he's showing some promise and things of mm-hmm. sort all of a sudden the club's raising 40 million they get rid of a few other smaller pieces for a few yeah. million here and there also the club raises 50 million if the club wants to spend 70 million and they sold 50 it's a negative 20 but they have the budget for it they can they can take that uh, if the club doesn't want to go on the negative route, well, if you sell 50 million, you have 50 million spend, even 30 right. million spend, you can sign, you know, two decent players at 15 million, and, and you add some depth. Yeah, and I, I hope the club is careful about where they spend their money because George Jesus is here for one more season. His contract's up, and who knows, Vieta could go crazy and re-sign him to some. You know, I think there'd be a revolt if he did it, but. I'd be careful who we go spend money on. Like you, we said earlier, you get these guys, you know, that are right now guys that 18 months from now, we'll be looking at how are we going to offload these, these salaries that JJ brought in and you bring in a, let's talk about Al Muzerati for a second, because that's the name yeah. everybody wants. And I heard someone make the case that, yeah, he's great for a JJ uh, system, but if the next coach plays off completely different system, you could find yourself with a high salary and a guy that doesn't really fit, which I think has happened to some of these Brunelage guys that got left behind. Yeah. And, you know, we re-signed some players and, and I Tarapt is one of the re you know, we re-signed him and I'm sure he's not cheap. And I really don't know how much more, 
how much more we we're going to get out of him. And, and David's here again with another good comment. He makes a great point here. And I don't think Benfica will be happy letting go of Gonzalo Ramos for pretty much anything. Right oh, no. I, I think they're going to be livid if we get rid yeah. of him. And, and, and you got to do something with the kid. I don't understand why nothing has been done with him properly, in my opinion. I think this year is this year to kind of pop up a bit. I, I really look at some of the guys who are looking at signing the – um, gold, Ryan Gold is, is that how you pronounce it? Ryan Gold, yeah, Gold, yeah. Gold. Um, lots of potential for them. The one thing that someone told me that popped my bubble a bit the kid's exciting, he was one of the best midfielders in Ligue Nage. And, um, I didn't know this, but a, a, a just a couple of years back when George Schuster was at Sporting, he, that kid was at Sporting, yeah, and he's one of the reasons that kid's not at Sporting anymore because he didn't right. see any potential in the kid. So, but I do feel that this year it's going to be a lot of domestic shopping. I think Sporting, uh, yeah, uh, showed they're successful doing that. Bifika's been successful doing that in the past. Pizzi, sure. Rafa, a lot of these guys are domestic signings, right? Correct. Correct. Um, the Carlos Stringer, I think is is that his name? Um, yeah, from Santa Clara. Santa Clara. Yeah. He's another one that's uh, being thrown around a lot. I got a feeling it'll be that it'll be ten, fifteen million dollars maybe for some of these guys. Some of these guys might only be like two or three million, five million. Um, but I think it's going to be a case where you spend a good 30, 40 million. And it's a typical Bifika summer window where you sign a lot of guys probably. Yeah. Plus you got a lot of guys come back on loan, but it's not for a lack of talent if we don't perform because the talent's there. And you see there, he says gold would be a good addition. I think he'd be a good addition too, having watched a bit of his play. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to, the problem is Sporting, I believe still own a large percentage of his rights. Well, yeah, uh, I don't know what the story was. I, I don't think know if it was a like, tree, a free yeah. transfer, or if they got like a buyback option. Or I, I think I, they own fifty percent, but I don't think they can block the deal. I think we'd have we just have to pay them fifty percent, whatever the value is. But, yeah. And I wouldn't be shocked if I was Sporting. Sporting yeah. is going to lose a couple pieces this year. Mm -hmm. uh, their president's adamant on spending some of their Champions League money up front because they know they're going right. to get that anyways. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have heavy competition domestically for these guys. Same with Porto, right? So it's it, it might be. You know, I don't want us to go mm -hmm. gangbusters and also we get right. into a bidding war with, for Ryan Gold and if the price gets ridiculous. Well, you know, it'd be nice yeah. to have him. But and I think my thought is we could get him at a better price because France were, were relegated. Yeah. But if Sporting are in there and they can start to play, you know, that, that political game of jacking the price up and it could become a game of chicken and see who, who veers off first. But here is another player here, Ugarte. I've heard of him as well. Yeah. Um, and Grimes saying here from Famalicão. It's a good player. I've always liked Fabio Cardoso from Santa Clara. Of course, he was one of ours. I yeah. thought we were going to go get him last season. I thought he was the missing piece in our midfield. We went to get Otamendi instead. But Otamendi more than delivered this season and, and what, what he was brought in to do. And maybe the best signing of, of the offseason was bringing in an Otamendi because without him, imagine how poor our attitude would be. Uh, nobody yeah. defended us in the in the boardroom, on the pitch, in the media, other than Nicholas Otamendi, really, this season. Yeah, he, he was a guy that, you know, fairly or unfairly got a lot of criticism early yeah. on, I think so, because of Portisha and he fucked up the first few games. Mm -hmm. But then after that, the guy's been, like, amazing. He is a professional that came and did his job. And not only that, he went above and beyond and he fought for the shirt. He defended the shirt, the way he acted. I, I love seeing the guy. He's a guy who has some fire in him for the club and it's nice, man. Yeah. Nico, the goat, he, he really, he, I, I never liked him as a player for, because of his Porto association going back. Right. 
And when I'd see him play for Man City, I didn't like him. And actually, when yeah. I did a, an old review show of the old Benfica versus Porto game, the Ozebu game, where everyone wore Ozebu on their shirt, I was, I was, I was, I was shitting on him on the, on the podcast, yeah. right? And I, it came back across. I listened to that one at some point. I'm like, wow, how much things have changed. <laughs> I literally, I went to my Instagram. And I inboxed Nicholas Otamendi, and I said, I apologize for everything I ever said about you before you came to Benfica. I said that in Spanish to him. And uh, it did show that he saw it. But the minute we signed him, I said, okay, this makes sense. We have no steel in this team. Yeah, he played for Porto, but players in other countries, it's, it's not that uncommon. I mean, Inter gets Juventus players and vice versa all the time. Um. Carlos Tevez played for United and for City. Figo played for for Barcelona and for Real Madrid. So did Saviola. So did a couple of other guys. It's not here we we treat it as such treason, but it happens in the game. And and, and the way he composed himself, even when he wasn't playing well, when things weren't going well, he he never he never went back at anybody that criticized him. Continued to say that he knew he had to prove. That he was here to help, and he was that he was that he believed in the club and in the project. And once we played Porto, and he, you know, was hitting Marega with forearms in the back of the head, and and you know, telling telling <laughs> Sergio Oliveira to shut up, to stand over. I, I said that is what we have missed for the last six years. I mean, oh, we need we needed some of that fire because they come out so crazy against us. They come out for war against us, and we go for a stroll in the park. So yeah, it, it was good to see some of that on our side, even if it's one of their former players. And I mean, I want an Otamendi jersey at this point because the guy just is he embodies what I want to see out of this club. You want in the club used to have that. Used to have it on Maxi Pereira. Mm -hmm. Luis Zon had that fight in it. We've right. had players that have that. Cardozo was a guy that you didn't want to mm -hmm. screw around with Cardozo, man. He, he'd get to Abid Luis. Yeah. yeah, so it's uh, the club got soft. Uh, they need a, a little bit of tough love, and, and the fans are rightfully giving them some tough love also. And, and you got to toughen up, man. You can't you can't walk around like prima donnas and things of sort. Um, I do look forward to coming back uh, and us connecting. You know, like a, like even like a preseason type show. Yeah, to see how things are lining up because I am. Like, there's so it's such a weird crossroad. I look at a fork in the road of doom and gloom, and a potential rebuilding to get us back on the right track. That it's. Mm -hmm. It's exciting in a sense also, right? And both are entirely possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's we could be part. heading down the 90s again, or we could get back on track. It's just yeah. a couple of key decisions will, will make the difference, I think. Cool. No, but it was fun, All man. Right. I appreciate it yeah, being absolutely. on. It was, it was a really good show. I uh, I love checking it out, and then uh, we'll be connecting, obviously, a lot more Definitely. sooner than later. All right. You got your Twitter handle there on, on the screen. Uh, where else can people find you on YouTube? It's Benfica After 90, right? Yeah, Benfica After 90. That's the easiest way on YouTube. Uh, Twitter, my nonsense uh, with m.slb. <laughs> uh, and it's, uh, I try not to get caught up with too much stupidity, but I, I fall easy prey to debate. Um, and yeah, it's it's always fun just talking to the sport about, uh, you know, a lot of people. And I love talking to everyone, man, with different opinions, things of sort with the, uh, even if they support Fieta. <laughs> yeah, even exactly. I've always said, you know, I may have opinions, but but at least on my show where I can control it, uh, I'm open to opposition. This is a this is yeah. a platform for opposing viewpoints, opposing um, opinions. There's a way to express opposing opinions. Our world right now really struggles with that. We don't, yeah, it's we it's don't all or nothing on everything, right. which is unfortunate, it is. right? It's and very it's, unfortunate. It's, it's actually a really dangerous way to go about everything, but. Uh, 
I've o- I'm always open to hear reasons why you like V8. I just haven't heard anything other than what he did 18 years ago or 10 years ago. Nobody has given and, me and, a concrete. And I find most people that don't like Vieta fully including myself uh, respect and I support him what he yeah. did. Like a lot of people, like right. it's uh, Vifi Kisha supported what he did and he did great work. He's lost his way and he's lost his way for a few years. And I still don't see how he's yeah. finding his way. Like if someone can point to me and say, here's how he found his way. But even with this recent election, how he ran that communications, the women's cup away we just covered and what we're doing next. I'm like, I'm hoping he finds a way, but I feel he's been lost mm-hmm. and he saw some return. And, and it's a, we have no owner. We're controlled right. by the fans and it, right. it's, it's, you're just a placeholder until you get someone else to kind of get in there and, and push it. Right. Right. And I mean, everything in, is cyclical, whether you're talking about sport, politics, business, everything has it. It's, it comes to its end at some point. And this is I'm a big believer in term limits, no matter what the position is. I yeah, mean, there exactly, comes a yeah. point where it's time to turn a new leaf and to, and to get new ideas because otherwise it becomes stale. I think that's where we're at. I mean, he has his place in the history of our club. I'm never going to deny that. OK, but, you know, I think that he's overstayed his welcome. I would say it's more than I think the cycle is more than ended, but he's managed to extend it with, you know, the the partnerships and the alliances he has with influential people. And I think he's used Rui Kosh as a as a as a pawn yeah, in this. Rui Kosh has got played the most, and it's yeah, kind I think of just, he has, yeah. and it's hurting his long term credibility. And I believe uh, so. It's it's unfortunate, and I hope he recovers some of it. But yeah, he is mm-hmm. going. To, I've and I also get the Rui Kosh's position. Yeah, I he's really in do. a tough spot because he wants. I think he wants to be the next president, and if he gets blackballed now, he's going to lose. You know that yeah. that voter block. So we'll see what happens. But again. Thank you for joining Perfect. me, Mario. Yeah, it was First a blast, look. man. I, I love chatting with you uh, all the time. Yeah, and and it's, uh, we got to catch up again, man. It's been yeah, a while. A happy birthday to your old man. Hello to Cynthia and the kids. And um, Awesome. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Kahega, Benfica. Kahega. All right. Ha- have a good one, everybody. I'm going to play some closing credits for you and some music, and we will be out of here. I'll have a new episode coming out shortly to recap the women's match against Sporting. I know you guys have been waiting for it. So that's coming up soon. But until then, I will see you next time. Belo Benfica. We are Benfica. One day, tamo 38. Why don't you kick some? How that good shit that you spit amusement fun? They get you sick for two.